Okay, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 this morning, and we'll be starting at verse 6. So let's, uh, let's open with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the, the things you teach us and reveal it to us through your word. And we just pray now this, this morning as we study that uh, you'll open our, our minds up to understand the things you've given to us, to understand the blessings that you've uh, poured out upon us. Just pray you bless our time now in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, to get our context, uh, we'll read, we'll start at verse 11 in chapter 2 and read through, or excuse me, start at verse 1 and read through 11. 1 through 11. Um, Go ahead, Sonal, you can start for us. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and in great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Can you make a line? I'm sorry, where are we at? Verse oh. 5. Verse 5. 2 Corinthians? 2 Corinthians. 1 first, first, Corinthians first, chapter first, 2. Five. Yes. <laughs> uh, so that your faith may not rest on this wisdom but on God's power yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature a wisdom however not of this age nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God which God decreed for the ages of our glory none of the rulers none of the rulers of this age understood this for if they had they would not have crucified the Lord of glory However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. That God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Okay, so... Last week we went through verses 1 through 5, and this is where Paul is explaining that he came with just the simple, straight gospel when he arrived. He did not come with a lot of um, flowery speech. He did not come with a lot of um, philosophical reasoning. It was Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I'm sure he also talked about the resurrection and faith and, and the things that go with the gospel. Uh, but he said he, this... The, um, the message was fairly simple. He kept focused on it, didn't get sidetracked. But at the same time, he said, you know, he wasn't eloquent in speech. He says he was there in fear and trembling. Um, and we saw earlier that the Gentiles and the Greeks considered his message to be foolishness. So here we had a, a man come with poor speaker, scared to death with a message that sounded foolish. And yet it converted the Corinthians because it was the power of God behind that message. And he says, that, that way your faith's not on me, it's not on my reasoning abilities, it's on God's power. And so that was kind of the point he made in the first five verses. So this morning we're starting uh, verse 6. So looking at verses 6 and 7, Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, 
A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom uh, in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. So, in contrast to this idea of a foolish message, now he's saying there is wisdom here in, in the message uh, about Christianity. You know, it's not that simple. There's a lot more to it than just the gospel. Um, he doesn't want the Corinthians to think that, yeah, well, this Christian faith really is foolish. No, it has a lot of wisdom behind it. And so he's beginning here to describe God's true wisdom. So, you know, back in chapter 1, we had a contrast between the words of you know, foolishness versus wisdom. Um, foolishness was, was moriah, from which we get mori, moron, <laughs> and wisdom was sophia. So that was the contrast. But now it's going to be a contrast between God's true wisdom versus the world's false wisdom. And first he says, he speaks wisdom to the mature. So who are the mature? And there's a couple different viewpoints on this. Um, so some of this commentaries say this refers to those who are saved versus those who are not saved. Because the, the word mature is teleos, which can be translated perfected or made perfect. And so they would say, okay, I'm speaking now to those who have been made perfect, who have been made perfect in Christ because they've accepted the gospel. And this kind of fits in with verses, um, I mean, look at 14 and 15, where it talks about a natural man uh, versus a spiritual man. So he does get to that point at the end of the chapter, spiritual versus natural, which are, you know, the contrast between unbelievers and believers. Um, but typically, Paul does not use this term mature in this way to refer to just believers. And so most commentaries say that this is, he's now addressing those who are Christians already, but they've been growing in the faith. They have no understanding of the gospel. They practice Christianity better. They you know, walk more like they should as, as Christians. Um, deeper understanding of the scriptures. And we can kind of see this in, in our, even in our context, because now he's saying, I speak wisdom among those who are mature. Let's turn to chapter 3. Someone like to read verse 1. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of this flesh, as infants in Christ. Okay, so here we have infants in Christ. So rather than speaking to the mature, now he's speaking to infants. So let's turn to uh, uh, a couple more places where we see this. Let's turn to chapter 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And someone read verse 20 for us here. Brethren, do not be children in your thinking, yet in evil be infants but in your thinking, be mature. Okay, so here we see the contrast between um, believers who are babes and children versus those who are mature. And notice he calls them brethren. That's how he addresses believers. 
their brethren. Um, let's also go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Someone like to read verses 11 through 13 for us here. Yes. To prepare for God's for, to prepare God's people for works of service, let the body of Christ may be built up, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Okay, so this is how he uses the word mature. He he's talking about spiritual gifts, teachers and pastors to teach the people so they can learn and grow in the faith and become mature. Uh, so I think the next verse also is very be children, right? Tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Right, right. So we have the the contrast is between being immature in the faith and versus being mature in the faith. Um, and finally, I got one more. I'll read it in Colossians chapter four, verse twelve. It says, Epaphras, who is one of your numbers, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. So here it's translated perfect, but that's the word mature. So he's praying for them that they may become mature believers at, at, uh, for the Colossians there. So Paul says, I do speak true wisdom to those who are leaving Christian babyhood behind and moving on to a Christian maturity or Christian adulthood. Um, and so he has, so there is maturity. There is, there is wisdom in the Christian faith. It's not just foolishness like he was talking in, you know, in chapter one. And that's how the world looks at Christianity as being foolish. He says, no, there, there really is wisdom here. And so he goes on now to differentiate God's wisdom from that of the current culture and, and their rulers. Where he says in the end of verse 6, not of this age nor the rulers of this age who are passing away. Um, the rulers are temporary. They're passing away. They're not here forever. So they're the ones who have the wisdom of this age. And it's not permanent. Um, in contrast, how long does God's wisdom last? Eternal. Yeah, let's let's look at First Peter chapter one. First Peter chapter one. Someone like to read verses twenty four and twenty five for us. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Okay, so again, we see the rulers of this world, the people in this world are like, like grass. They wither up and dry and fall away, but God's word abides forever. And so this is quotation from the Old Testament. And Peter says, this is the word which was preached to you, which is the same thing that Paul's telling him in 1 Corinthians. You've got this eternal word. It'll last forever compared to these rulers of the world who are passing away. And we've already seen the 
Um, God has made the world's wisdom foolish. It's empty. It can't save you. But God's wisdom can. And so he goes on, and in verse 7 he says, We speak God's wisdom in a mystery. And so that's an, an interesting word that... Um, because they have these mystery religions where there's this deep, hidden meanings and, and those who are very special in their religion get to learn that. And, but that's not what it means here in Scripture. It means something that was not previously revealed in its full meaning, but now has been revealed. And we, we see that most often in, in Paul's writing, but let's... Let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 1 again. Um, 1 Peter 1. This time would someone like to read verses 10 through 12 for us. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things, which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Okay, we don't see the word mystery in this passage, but that's what Peter is describing. You know, even the prophets themselves they, they spoke God's words, but they couldn't put the pieces together. You know, they, they couldn't quite understand it. Um, you know, but, but he says, now it's been explained to you. Uh, you know, God has given us uh, apostles and prophets to, to put all the pieces together, to get the rest of... Uh, the rest of the story, I guess, in a sense. Um, so now here in the church age, you know, it's all been revealed. It's all been made clear. You know, they, they knew something about the Messiah coming, and, and there were passages about his suffering. And, and, you know, we can go back to Isaiah 53 or Psalm 22. that lays a lot of this out. Um, but it just... Um, there was so much that was not revealed... Um, you know, and, and we'll look at some of these things as we go through this, but you know, in the church, God brings the Gentiles, he takes the Gentiles out of the world, he takes Jews out of the nation of Israel, brings them together and, and forms one new body. That's not in the Old Testament. You know, it says that um, Christ will be a light to the Gentiles. It says that in, you know, in Abraham, all the nations will be blessed. So we know that there's a benefit to the Gentiles. But this whole, you know, the formation of the church, that's not there. So that's been revealed later. That's, a, that's, a, that's part of the mystery. So let's look at some of the, I want to look at some of the passages where, where Paul talks about the mystery. Let's turn to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16, and would someone like to read verses 25 through 27? And to him who is able to establish you by my gospel in the proclamation of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery hidden, 
for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the <coughs> command of the eternal God, so that all nations might believe and obey him, the only wise God, the glory forever through Jesus Christ. Okay, so here we see he's talking about the mystery of the gospel. Um, and it also mentions glory at the end of verse 7, back in our passage. You know, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. And that's part of this wisdom, is that, is that we will share his glory. And so we see that again here in um, this passage in Romans. Um, you know, and he talks about the gospel being a mystery too. And, and we'll see that as we go further on. But the creator of the universe would join himself to his creation by becoming a human being and then letting them crucify him on the cross for their sins. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know, that just doesn't make sense. So that was part of the mystery. Let's turn to Colossians uh, chapter 1. Verses 25 through 27. Someone like to read that first. Colossians 1, 25 through 27. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up with what is lacking. Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay, so here Paul is talking about, you know, this mystery again, which has not been revealed, but now has been revealed. He says it's been as part of his and stewardship, is that God has given him all this information, and he's revealing it to them. And, and one of the parts of the mystery is that um, the Gentiles, Christ will be in the Gentiles and they will be glorified. You know, again, the, the Old Testament talks about, yes, they'll be benefited by the seed of uh, David or the son of David, but it doesn't talk about, doesn't go into this kind of detail. Um, So here we have the, this idea that we'll, we'll share this glory. And there's, you know, there's other places where, where Paul uses the term mystery. And um, we had mentioned before, where was it? We had the word testimony, <coughs> proclaiming chapter 2, verse 1, back in 1 Corinthians, chapter 2, verse 1. Um, it says, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God. Remember, that was a word that in many of the Greek texts was mystery. I came proclaiming the mystery of God. So that's very, it very well could be that that's what, what Paul meant there. It doesn't change anything, but uh, it fits in with this. So here Paul is talking about... Um, God's wisdom in a mystery, that there's more to it than just the gospel. There's a lot more to learn. And I, I think, you know, I mean, 
a believer for over 50 years and reading my Bible, and it's like every time I open it up, I learn something new. There's more there always. So, um, but this is the wisdom that Paul wants to share with those who are mature, to bring them to a deeper and fuller understanding of what they have in Christ. So he says, we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. Going on to verse 8. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood, for if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So he says the rulers of this age did not understand this wisdom. So who are the rulers of this age? Um, you know, in this verse they're connected to the crucifixion. We saw earlier in verse 6, at the end of verse 6, the rulers of this age were passing away. So they're not eternal beings. They're not, because there are passages that talk about the uh, rulers and authorities in heavenly places, which refers to the demonic um, rulers. Uh, and some people look at this and, and think that that may be what they're talking about here, but that really doesn't fit very well. You know, they're mortal. They pass away. Uh, they were directly connected with the crucifixion. So who's, who did the crucifying? We had the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and, and maybe the Herodians. There was another group there. Plus the elders were in the Sanhedrins, not directly connected to um, uh, one of the religious groups. We had King Herod and Pilate. Yeah, those, those are the rulers of this age who, who crucified Christ. Um, And they, you know, they really had no concept who Jesus really was. Well, besides the Romans, they were just trying to hold on to the Judaism uh, religion and stuff. And well, the Jews were, yeah, the Jews were trying to hold on to that. The Romans were just trying to keep peace. <laughs> yeah, if Pilate had allowed them to keep rioting and rioting and rioting, they would have pulled him out and put someone else there. Um, so... They had their different reasons for, for what they did with Jesus, but they, they had no com concept of who he really was, what he was going to accomplish on the cross. Um, and in a sense, I don't think Satan did either. And we've, we've mentioned that before, that Jesus defeated Satan at the cross, took away the power of his, you know, Satan's um, Power is through fear of death. He controls people through the fear of death, and Jesus died and was resurrected. There's, he conquered death. That takes away Satan's big gun. I never thought about that. So you don't think Satan knew that Jesus had the power to rise above death? I don't think he, he may have heard it, but he, there's a lot of things about Satan where I don't think he actually believes Interesting. what the word says. He may know Did some of I don't know. There are things that God keeps secret. I mean, even, you know, when, when the, the apostles asked Jesus about the end times, you know, when are all these kind of things that are going to happen? Jesus says, only the Father knows. That was hidden. Right before Easter, we saw um, like an interview of, you know, and, and it was all dramatized, but, of, you know, Mary and it, Maybe put out by the Jesus Project, 
anyway, they interviewed Satan, and this that was the idea. Uh-huh. It's like, you know, I thought when I got Judas to, <laughs> to you know, uh-huh. um, to sell out, yeah. I thought it was over. I thought this was it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it, and they, he talked with some, some biblical backup, but uh, uh-huh. I know I never really thought about that either. I always just thought that he was almost a passive observer of God's plan, and he just fights against it, fights against it. But um, I think it makes but, sense. Yes. God knows more. <laughs> his thoughts are his thoughts, and, and Satan right. can't read his thoughts. <laughs> Can you imagine yeah. being the angels and not knowing the outcome and watching this all unfold and being like, what is going on? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if they didn't have a that belief from that because he's preaching to his disciples the whole time like things this is what's going to happen and they, they still didn't know but right celestial beings and then just watching it unfold in front of them yeah but yeah we get glimpses that what happens on earth god is you know and he's using that whether it's um submission that te- you know is the angels are observing or, or you know, there's just a lot of things like that. yes yes and some of the, if the believers actually knew that Jesus was the sacrificial lamb, that they would have still gone through it, just not been so brutal? The rulers? The, oh, the believers. believers? If the believers actually knew that Jesus was going to you know, sacrifice himself for them, like, do you think they like would believers like Anna and Simeon okay. in the temple that were looking for the Like Savior? the followers, if they actually yeah. believed oh, okay. that Jesus, what Jesus said was true and that he was going to be, you know, their sacrificial lamb, if they would have actually followed through with it, it just wouldn't have been so brutal. Like, he wouldn't have got the stripes on his back. They wouldn't have beaten the crap uh, out of him. Well, that was done by the unbelievers. Yeah. Yeah. The believers, well, yeah, as you read through the Gospels, he told his disciples and the Twelve over and over again, but this is what's going to happen. But until they believed the whole they, thing, they, they not, thought he was going to be, you know, a ruling king and yes. take over Rome and right. stuff like that. But yeah. Yeah. And they were shaken, scared in the upper room. Yes. And then, then they realized what was happening, and they tore the world up after that. Yeah. Really. And that's and that's one of the things we'll get into here and later in the chapters. He talks about the spirit. The spirit is the one who reveals all this stuff. And they were they did not have the spirit until the day of Pentecost. Yeah, because Jesus said he had to leave first and, before the spirit came. Yeah. Spirit will not come until I am glorified. So, you know, they, they did, you know, even those 12 disciples who followed him for three years did not understand, even though he told them very cleanly and plainly what was going to happen. Um, and, uh, you know, it's kind of speculation on my part. I think Satan heard that. He must have known that information, but I think, you know, he's the great deceiver, and I think. Part of it is he's deceived himself. He just doesn't believe that can happen. And, and if and so, he was, you know, put himself in a position to challenge God, mm-hmm. then, you know, he just, he just kept challenging that all the he, way through. Yes. Yeah. He must be self-deceived. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I can see that. To think that he can challenge. people around you that you know that are self-deceived. Yeah. Yes. I think to some extent we're all self-deceived. <laughs> so, 
but they were, uh, you know, they, they were ignorant of what was going to happen, of what Jesus was doing. Let's look at First uh, Timothy chapter one. First Timothy chapter one, and someone like to read verses twelve and thirteen for us. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has strengthened me because He considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. Okay. Really what I want to look at is the last line of verse 13. Paul says he was ignorant. He did not know what, why Jesus was there and what he was doing and what he accomplished. And Paul was thoroughly educated in the Old Testament. He knew the Old Testament, but he was still ignorant. He just didn't get it. Um, let's go also look at Acts chapter 3. And someone like read verses 17 and 18. Acts chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Okay, so he's, this is uh, Peter's second sermon, I believe. Yeah, after healing the lame man. But he's, he's telling the Jews, you put the Messiah to death. But here he says, you were ignorant. You just didn't know who he was and what he came for, and that's why you did the things you did. And so that's kind of what he's telling us again back in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Um, he says that, that sort of reminds me of um, you know, Joseph and his brothers when they're like, oh, oh we did this to you, we betrayed you, and here you are, okay. and now we're going to get it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but Joseph, God had a plan. Joseph said God had yeah. a plan. Yeah, you didn't know it. Yes. And Joseph probably didn't know it then either. No. But you, in hindsight... In hindsight, we see God's plan working. Yeah. So here in verse in First Corinthians two eight, uh, you know, it says, if they had understood, if the rulers of this age had understood, and uh, you know, they they did not have the spirit. They they, they you know, the spirit gives uh, information understanding to those who have the Spirit. They didn't have it. Uh, and we'll see that later, but Paul says they would not have crucified Jesus if they had understood. Which is one of these great what-if questions. <laughs> so what was the alternative? If they, hadn't if they had understood who Jesus was and they had not crucified him, what would have happened? What would they have done? Well, if they'd have really understood who he was, they would have had to worship him. But, you know, well, our sins would not be forgiven. Sense. You know, our 
we want to have the Holy Spirit to to reveal, you know, the whole yeah, remember the triumphal entry? Jesus offered himself. He came as their king. You know, and, and you look at the cross. There was a sign on the cross. Jesus Christ, king of the Jews. They knew what he said, but they rejected it. If they had accepted it, well, he would have been on the throne of Israel and it would have been the beginning of the millennium, I guess. All the prophecies of the Old Testament... Yeah, so then you start wondering, well, was it a legitimate offer? Or, you know, because then would, then would he have been the propitiation for our sins? And no, so now that wasn't God's plan. Um, well, that's like whenever Satan was testing him, you know, about me and I'll give you all of this world. And... Yeah. And it's, you know, that, that's something you could, you could spend a lot of time delving into because, uh, I, you know, there are times when the, Disciples asked Jesus about John the Baptist. You know, doesn't Elijah have to come first? And, and Jesus says, basically, John the Baptist was Elijah if you accept it. And they didn't. So Elijah is still to come uh, before the second coming of Christ. Well, so, and John's message was repent, be prepared. Yeah. Yes. He was preparing the way for the Lord, just like he was fulfilling the Old Testament prophecies of the coming king. And the king came, but the people rejected it. And so, I don't want to say it was God's alternate plan, but God's primary plan, you know, that was the alternate plan in a way. Um, but So Christ became our, our salvation on the cross. You know, and this is one of those things that makes your head hurt when you try to think about it very much. And I don't know if we... If we'll ever have an answer between until we're glorified, but Paul here is saying, well, if they knew who he was, they would not have crucified him. So, okay, going on in uh, verse nine, he says, "But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love Him." So he's talking about God's wisdom here. Again, the great blessings that God um, has for, for us, for us to learn and to experience. Um, but these were kept hidden until they were revealed to Paul and to the other apostles and prophets to teach to the church. Now most of verse 9 uh, you know, in my version are capitalized, which means it's quotations from the Old Testament. The trouble is they don't know exactly where it came from. It's kind of like bits and pieces taken from different places in the book of Isaiah. Um, and the commentaries mention that there is something very, very similar to this in, in a, one of the apocryphal writings. And so they think, well, maybe what this is is uh, uh, a, a, a traditional Jewish saying that took bits and pieces of the Old Testament and they put together and it was kind of well known uh, to the Jews like some of their, their, their teachings um, but it was taken from scripture and so here Paul is aware of it and so he quotes it um, although it is not uh, specifically a, uh, something from, from scripture um, but first one of the things that points out this mystery 
It was never seen. It was never heard. So there was no uh, empirical evidence of these special features that were going to be given to the church. Um, and again, we've been talking about some of those. Gentiles being given the Holy Spirit. I don't see that in the Old Testament. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's no empirical evidence of these things. And secondly, he goes on and says, things which have not entered the heart of man. Um, again, this is... Human minds would never have conceived this plan that God has. Uh, you know, we've already talked about the, the thought of the Creator becoming a man and being crucified by His cre creatures. You know, who would have thought that one up? You know, I wouldn't. Uh, and then the, the Jews were told to be separate from the Gentiles. Who, who would have thought among the Jews that God would take the Jews and, and make them heirs, sons of God. <laughs> well, they were, they were the dogs. They were dirty, you know. But God would save them and make them his heirs. Uh, they couldn't conceive of that. So um, this mystery is talking about all these, all these spiritual blessings that God pours out on his children who come to him by faith, and those who love him in response to his love for them. Now, Ephesians has a lot of this in it. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 1 first. Someone like to read verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Okay, he's writing to Gentiles. Those, I think we're all Gentiles, even though some of us might have some Jewish blood somewhere along the line. But God's given us every spiritual blessing. That's part of the mystery, that God would do that, would give us all these blessings. Um, let's go to chapter 3 in Ephesians. And I want to read a, a longer section here. This is where Paul really talks about the revelation of the mystery and, and a lot of what it involves here. So I want to read, starting in verse 2 and go through verse 11 in Ephesians chapter 3. And let's, let's read around here. Debbie, you want to start with 2? If indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. Verse 5. Verse 5. Which is not made known to the sons of man in other generations, as it is now been revealed by to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that through the gospel the Gentiles are, members, are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through work of his power. 
to me, the very least of all saints as grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. Verse 9. And to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay. So here we see, again, this, the definition of mystery, things which were hidden from previous generations. They've now been revealed by God through his spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, one of whom was Paul. And so Paul says, this is my job here. This is my stewardship. I've been given this, to, again, to teach to others. And he, and he talks about some of what it is. Uh, specifically, the Jew, or excuse me, Gentiles, being blessed, uh, uh, along with the uh, the Jews, their fellow heirs, their fellow members of the body, fellow partakers of the promise in Christ. You know, that's you know, you know, in the Old Testament, it didn't say that much about Gentiles. It did say that we'd be blessed, but not this much. Um, so he's a minister of that. It's his job to teach it, um, to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ, um, to bring these things to light. Now in verse 10, it does talk about you know, God's manifold wisdom. So that's what is here. We have God's wisdom compared to the wisdom of the world. And it says, to be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So this, I think, now refers to the angelic realm. Um, it's like through, through Christ and the church, you know, God is demonstrating his wisdom to Satan. <laughs> so now in hindsight, Satan says, oh, so that's what happened at the cross. <laughs> it's now been revealed. Um, and so this was you know, God's purpose, his eternal purpose. Okay, going back to... 1 Corinthians 2. The end of verse 9 talks about who these blessings are for. It says, for all that God has prepared for those who love him. Um, and that's, that's a way of referring to believers, those who love God. And it's used uh, a few times in Scripture to, to um, uh, refer to believers. Let's look at Romans chapter 8. Someone like to read verse 28. It's a famous verse. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Okay, again, we have to those who love God. Those are two believers. Um, and then James chapter 1. So I'd like to read verse 12. So James uses the same phrase. James 1, 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Okay, to those who love him. Again, referring to believers. So this is not the only place we have that phrase. Um, 
We'll look at it in John, um, first John chapter four, I think actually. Um, that's where it says, we, we love because God first loved us. So as a response to his love, we love him in return. And one of the things we tell people a lot of times is, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. God loves us, we love him in return. That's not a religion, that's a relationship. And we have to, we have to keep remembering that um, and not get lost in um, theological debates and stuff like that. It's first and foremost a relationship. Okay, so a good place to stop. Brian, you'd like to close for us in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your love, your plan, which never changes. You knew it from the beginning to the end, even though our human minds can't comprehend the whole picture and we're just barely grasping it, little straws here and there. Please be with Robert, and please be with us from this next hour to come. Open our hearts and minds to your word, what you want us to learn from it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.